this is Sandy. And Randy. And we're here on AT Corner. Being an athletic trainer comes with ups and downs, and we're here to showcase it all. Join us as we share our world in sports medicine. Welcome back to another episode of AT Corner. For this episode, AT Corner is taking a spin through the financial district. I feel like as athletic trainers, that's a touchy subject. Or it's an unknown subject. Yeah. But we make it real known, or I should say Matt Shade makes it real known with real life athletic training analogies throughout this episode. So I feel like it makes it pretty understandable, or at least for athletic trainers. We were really excited to get Matt on the show because he is also an athletic trainer as well. So I feel like he kind of relates pretty well with us. Yeah, why don't we start by introducing him? Yes, so Matt graduated from Westchester University in 2005 with a Bachelor's of Science degree in athletic training. He then served as a graduate assistant athletic trainer while completing his Master's degree of education at the College of New Jersey in 2006. Matt's career has consisted of working in the interscholastic setting as a certified athletic trainer at New Hope Solberry High School, Delaware County Christian School, and Gwynedd Mercy College. He also worked in the office setting as a physician extender before advancing into administrative roles as a sports medicine supervisor with ATI Physical Therapy and athletic director at Gerard College and William Tennant High School. Now Matt serves as a financial representative where he now concentrates his efforts in serving the sports medicine industry across the country. All right, let's hear from Matt. Let's do it. So as always, we got to start off with some cryo breakers. What originally motivated you to become an athletic trainer and how did that lead you to where you are now? Well, for me, it was about being passionate about sports, but more um, so it's about working with motivated people and looking at all the fields. I know I wanted to go into healthcare, but when it came down to what type of person I wanted to work with, it was someone that was motivated and athletes fit that description. Nice. That's awesome. And I motivated people. I think that works pretty well with kind of where you're at now with financial planning. Like usually if you're trying to use those services, you're pretty motivated to increase your financial security. Definitely. Yeah. And it's with financial planning, it ties a lot into athletic training, working with people on a day-to-day basis. It can't be something that you just touch on, you know, every so often, if you want to see real improvements, you have to be in the gym every day working out physically, but you also have to be checking your, uh, you know, your balance sheet day in and day out. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, it takes, uh, it takes a lot of patience, kind of like athletic training does too. That does require patience. <laughs> yes. Good days and bad days. <laughs> <laughs> hey, not every day is the same, right? That's right. That's right. So speaking of athletic training, what is your athletic training spirit animal? And this is a modality, rehab tool, tape, brace, et cetera. Any tool of the trade, the athletic training trade that represents you. I like to see myself as a band-aid. I like to be oh, able to okay, stop okay. the bleeding. All right. I like to be able to stop the bleeding. But then sometimes, you know, there's going to be more care. There's going to be some wound care afterwards. You know, you might have to get some stitches or sutures. But eventually... You know, you'll heal up, but I like to be the first one on the scenes. I like to be able to assess, you know, and then be able to triage and move people in the right direction. Oh, that one was really unique. I know. I like that one. That's pretty cool. No, we definitely haven't gotten that. Yeah. And I really like how you put together the, the first on the scene. 
You know what's amazed me is the fact that we've had so many episodes and we we don't have a lot of duplicates. I keep getting fascinated with how unique our answers have been so far for that one. What would you say has been your most unique so far? Hmm. I feel like they're so different. Yeah. Like some people go out of the box with something they have on them, like their hands yeah. or something they, uh, they use like in education, like a book. But then some people say like the athletic training kit, like their big med yeah. kit. Okay. Because it can hold everything and they, they're like the storage of the knowledge. And so I feel like there's a lot of like, there's a lot of different ways that you can take it's it. It's been really cool to see. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. So at AT Corner, we like to pair evidence with experience. So we like to uh, chat about some experience. So let's, uh, do you have any story, experience, or a case study about working with athletic trainers about their finances? Well, I'll use myself as the example. Um, you know, I have worked with athletic trainers across the country, um, currently working with athletic trainers in 23 different states. But nice. the reason why I'm even here today is just my own personal journey. And in 2006, I finished my master's degree. I got married, bought my first house, got my first job all within three months. And from the outside, it looked like my life was on financial track. Everything was, you know, lining up, but it was really beginning a financial derailment because when my wife and I went to buy our first house, I was actually a 1099 athletic trainer. And back in 2006, they were giving mortgages away um, left and right. It was very easy to qualify, but we got stuck because of my 1099 position, not having two years of tax returns at the age of 23, didn't know what I didn't know. And we got stuck into a 80, 20, hundred percent interest only mortgage for 10 years. And mm. we were led to believe, Hey, you can just refinance in two years and you'll be fine. Well, fast forward two years, that's 2008 housing market tanks. So now am I not only paying hundred percent interest only I'm upside down in my mortgage. I can't get out. And as most athletic trainers, we're living paycheck to paycheck. We're trying to get every penny. So I decided to chase the dollar within the profession. I got involved in a startup company. Um, I didn't understand buy sell agreements, operating agreements, but I built three high school athletic training contracts. I was in charge of them. And within about three months, I woke up on a Friday morning. I didn't have a paycheck. I called the CEO. I was like, hey, I don't know what's going on. I didn't get paid. I checked with my staff. My staff did get paid. But long story short, he was running two different companies, Robin Peter to pay Paul. I ended up paying my employees in my own pocket for about three months, went with no income, went further into debt. So at that point, I was left to say, hey, I have to go back, you know, um, to the traditional setting, became a physician extender. I worked my way up um, as a sports medicine supervisor, went on to become an athletic director. And then you fast forward 2015. So six years had passed. My wife and I, we started a family. We got out of the bad mortgage situation. I was making almost six figures. Life was back on track. And then one day I had a phone call. I was on cafeteria duty. And I always joke, if you're Signing a contract, say other duties as assigned, make sure cafeteria duty is not on that, <laughs> that <laughs> other duties. Um, but picked up the phone. It was a law firm and a physician I worked for as a physician extender a couple of years prior. We were being named in a lawsuit, a patient of ours. I never saw the patient. 
they were direct admitted to the hospital, but they actually passed away and we were being named in a lawsuit. And all of a sudden I'm like, am I going to lose everything that I've worked so hard, you know, to get to where I'm today? Mm-hmm. And so at that point in time, having been a sports medicine supervisor, having worked with other athletic trainers, realizing every time I went into an HR department with all my job changes, they just hand you an employee handbook and say, here you go, sign up for what you want. And you're just kind of left there to figure it out. And at that point in time, I was like, you know what, I'm going to go and make it my calling to help service athletic trainers. Wow. that That's crazy. That's a long road. Yeah. You know, you, it was you a scared journey. me. You scared me with some of this, the, some of this <laughs> parts of the story. It's funny, you know, in, in our programs, you know, in, in the education program, we don't talk about this stuff and you, you know, you might hear, or read some things about it, but when it happens in real life, it's, you know, you, you gotta be able to navigate it. And I feel I have someone in your corner to talk to about it. Yes. Athletic trainers need basically an athletic trainer in their corner sometimes. Absolutely. And that's why I have you here today. (laughs) (laughs) So can you explain how exactly you support athletic trainers as they navigate their financial journey? Yep. So I use a team approach. I don't pretend to be an expert in all the things of financial planning. And so I have a team. Um, I have two colleagues who saw my vision and support me. They have a much more extensive experience in the industry. Um, But when you look at financial planning as a whole, there's risk management, there's investments, there's, you know, taxes, 529s, college planning, student loans. There's just so much going on. So I developed a strategy like a sports medicine team, you know, have a team of specialists as an athletic trainer, you have your team doc, you know, your shoulder specialist, knee specialist, physical therapist, chiropractor, dentist, the athletic director. So you surround yourself as a team to help provide the best care for your athletes, for your patients. And when it comes to finances, I took that same mentality and said, I want my athletes, right? My, my clients to have a team of specialists that with whatever comes up, we can at least direct and coordinate, you know, their plan of care. Um, so it starts with that, with that team approach. And then we also focus heavily on education. It's education first. All of our sessions are complimentary. We will sit down, understand, help build, put all your finances in one spot so you can see and understand all the moving parts of your financial picture. And then we just break it down step by step. What's the biggest red flag? Let's go. Let's attack it. Let's see what we can do to make an improvement. And one day at a time, you know, just like getting the gym, you know, training our athletes, it's over time you start to make the progress. I love how you're talking about the team approach because we really emphasize that in our podcast, but also just as clinicians ourselves. And I think that that's something that athletic trainers can relate to. Oh, absolutely. So speaking of like identifying those red flags, what are some of those like key mistakes that you see healthcare professionals make when they're thinking about their finances or managing their own finances? Yeah. uh, Starting off with young professionals, just getting started. The one thing I don't think we take serious enough is guaranteeing that we have an income. And really, when you look on your overall balance sheet, your most valuable asset is the ability to generate income for yourself. And, you know, we have to protect that. And a lot of us come out of school with student loan debt, 
you know, I've, I've met without their trainers up to $300,000 in student loan debt. They chose Oof. private institutions and they're making $45,000 a year. And it's like, well, what if something happens to you? What if you, you, you know, you're in a, a random car accident or you, you get, you know, you hear about the cancers nowadays, COVID hit. Um, if something happens, how can you pay back that student loan? Mm-hmm. You know, do you want to, do you want that financial burden? So really protecting your income from day one. And then that gets easier over time as you build your assets and as you build other, um, you know, assets on your balance sheet. Now you can afford to have those other setbacks. But initially, if you don't, you can get behind the eight ball right from the start and never be able to catch up. Mm-hmm. The other common thing is we have in a society as a whole, and it, it almost sets us up uh, behind the eight ball right from the start, but our priorities are out of line. We start with a lifestyle. You know, we're forced to get that house, have the car, the student loan debt, the credit card debt, but we, we're not trained to pay ourselves first. And it's how mm-hmm. do you prioritize on your balance sheet? Hey, let's make sure that we're paying ourselves first and then we'll worry about paying the financial institutions, you know, the banks and the lenders that we owe money to. And it's really, I call it cash flow hierarchy. And really having a firm understanding of that right from the start and s- put those habits in place earlier than later. Because the later you go, it's we call it the crowding out effect. You know, it's lifestyle creep. And when you start to look at, oh, these are the things, you know, five years out, 10 years out, all of a sudden your priorities shift. You're like, well, I don't have any room in my budget. I, I can't do anything. I feel strapped. Mm-hmm. So um, those are the two big um pitfalls or red flags that we see with, especially with young professionals. It's interesting that you brought up the student loan, because I feel that now that a lot of these programs or well, now that these programs have switched to master's programs, do you feel like that's only going to make that student debt problem even worse? Within the profession? Yeah, it's an extra year of school and it's being able to you know, I'd love to see salary uh, pay raises, but I've been on that side. I've been the administrator. And when you go to the school boards or the governing body above making the decisions and you look at the budgets, it's hard as just to come up with extra money to pay, you know, for the staff. So there has to be some type of shift. What that is, I don't think any of us really know <laughs> what that is, what that answer is. And if we did, um, we probably wouldn't be sitting here today. Um <laughs> But we'd be retired and be uh, on a warm beach somewhere. But um, it's, you know, I really hope for the sake of the profession that I think the master's degree is important, that continued education, that extra level to give us that credit uh, within the healthcare industry. But I also think that, you know, advocating for ourselves, continuing to educate others, our value and understanding the value, uh, we have to collectively as a profession keep plugging away at that. So a lot of ATs, including myself, work per diem when they're first getting started. And I know you were talking about that. You were a 1099. <laughs> and some people don't know what that is compared to a full-time job or like a non-contract work, I guess. You could be full-time hours with a 1099. But mm-hmm. um, how does that factor in with saving retirement investments versus someone who does have that full-time job with benefits non-contract? 
Yeah, so a lot of people don't even realize how valuable the group benefits are uh, when you get started. But then also, you have to keep in mind that the group benefits aren't the end-all, be-all. So whether you're W-2 or 1099, there's still going to be gaps within your overall financial plan that you need to fill. With the 1099, you know, it's really understanding your taxes. What can you do to write off? How much are you actually bringing in? Does it, what type of tax bracket does that put you in? What Mm -hmm. uh, write-offs are you eligible for? And looking at the group benefits that you're not being provided, that's your retirement plan. It could be a 401k or a 403b that most often W-2 employees have. Um, There's usually life insurance, disability insurance, your health insurance. And when you're looking at taking those positions, if it's supplemental income, it's a little bit easier, but if it's your full-time job and you're a 1099, there's a lot of gaps to fill. So sometimes people will look just at the number on paper. You know, they may say, hey, I'm getting paid 10000 more a year to go 1099 than this other job that's a W-2. But when you start to layer in all those additional benefits that you need to put in place for yourself and your family, you could actually be um, losing money, so to speak, on that. For the uh, 1099 employees, what would you recommend them to maybe start considering that they have to track? Like what kind of charges related to their work do you think they should start kind of thinking about? Yeah, the, the most common ones, uh, your, your cell phone, you know, um, mm. cell phone can be a write-off depending on if you have an apartment or if you have a house, um, if you have an office space, a lot of times you can write off part of that. And then gas mileage on the commutes and anytime that you need to go out. Any business-related expenses, um, so your Wi-Fi printer, if you're printing off documents at home, storage space, like, and I would really encourage to meet with a CPA. Um, mm-hmm. And you know, I am not a CPA, but mm-hmm. to meet with the CPA because they can find and save you a lot of money. And you know, I'm gonna say for myself, I started in 2006 working with the CPA, and it makes life so much easier. They'll educate you. I simply keep a folder for myself and it's like, all right, just everything I need. I just dump it in there. And at the end of the year, I go and I hand it to my CPA and say, here you go. He calls me up (laughs) about a week later, says, Hey, your taxes are done. And so no stress. And you know, you're, you're just transferring it, allowing a professional to do it. Absolutely. But yeah, no, I didn't even consider like, maybe like with the Wi-Fi, like you said, like a home office kind of thing. Cause you know, that is the reality for some ATs, you know, maybe have like some, work at home stuff. Yep. And I know with COVID, uh, my business, we're a hundred percent virtual now, but with that being said, I've designated space in my house, office space, and you know, you're able to, to write off some of those expenses. Oh yeah, absolutely. I was going to mention with COVID, there's a lot of things that have gone remote. Yeah. Yep. How do you recommend saving when someone lives paycheck to paycheck? Ooh, that's tough. That's tough to do sometimes. <laughs> I know that we that that was something that we had when we first got started. I was ten ninety nine. Yep. Randy was W two, but not not the best pay in the world. No, and we were renting, and we were also trying to save up to buy a house, and so that was. <laughs> there, there, there did come a lot of stress with can, that. Can we eat out tonight? Uh, no, maybe yeah. next month. Yes, I remember what happened. We, uh, we went thirty dollars over our monthly income that 
that month. And, and we spent $30 on dinner. <laughs> <laughs> that was not okay. That almost became the last time we ate out. <laughs> well, first and foremost, I don't believe in financial diets. So, um, <laughs> but yeah, living the, the paycheck to paycheck, it's very common and it's hard. And I like to always refer back to like a 401k or a 403b type. The reason why those type of platforms are so successful is because the money never touches your bank account. It gets directed to that retirement account and Mm -hmm. you never see it. You never feel it. Um, And again, just making small, small changes at a time where, you know, it could be a dollar, a dollar a day. Hey, I'm going to try Mm -hmm. to put that aside. And if I came to you guys and I said, you know, Hey guys, I need, can I borrow five bucks? I'll pay you back. I don't know when, but do you have five bucks I can borrow today? Would you guys be able to come up with five bucks to offer me? So so. that same mentality. It's like, Hey, I need five bucks. I don't need it right now today. I'm going to put it away. I'm going to need in the future. I'm going to get that five bucks back. And, you know, a lot of times when we look at, you know, the big investments and we're looking at buying a house, right? You're trying to put, you have that number figure, $20,000, 25, whatever your down payment is, these big numbers, it just starts little steps and begins snowballing. And I oftentimes will challenge athletic trainers and say, Hey, and this goes back to flipping the cash flow hierarchy. If you, are you worth one hour a day of your work? Do you feel that your tomorrows are warranted for one hour today, you can take seven hours and spend that today however you want. And there's going to be debts, there's going to be taxes, you have your apartment, house, and all that. But if you can take one hour today, save it for tomorrow. You know, and we try to instill with all of our clients that you want to be a world-class saver. And in our terms, that's saving 15 to 20% of your income. Where do you mm-hmm. save that? Just depends on where you're at in your life stage. Um, some people, it's in retirement accounts. Some it's just going into their emergency savings. Um, and, you know, keeping it liquid. So it, it all depends on what your needs are, what your goals, concerns are, but making subtle changes. And initially 15, 20%, some athletic trainers are like, whoa, no, I, I don't have that. It's like, okay, well, do you have 2%? Okay, let's, let's start there. And then naturally your lifestyle starts to balance out and you find ways, you know, you just naturally start making shifts. You don't even realize it. But you can still go out and have that dinner. You know, you'll figure out a way to still enjoy those moments, take advantage of those opportunities uh, when they present themselves. What does that emergency savings look like? Like, how much should you plan to set aside? All individual specific, and mm-hmm. there's no right or wrong number. It's based on the individual. I relate it back to, you know, if you're treating, you're not going to treat a field hockey ankle sprain the same way you're going to treat a football lineman, right? You you have to train them differently. They have different needs. So um, from a general high level, we usually look at, let's start at getting a thousand dollars in the bank, right? Have that liquid. And then from there, it's about a number of months living expenses that you feel comfortable with. Some people like to have three months, some people like six months, some people like to have a full year of living expenses. COVID really changed the mentality for people knowing that, Hey, I just lost my job, you know, today, what, you know, where's my money at? Do I have access to it? Uh, what can I do? So we've seen a little bit of a shift in the conservative mindset and keeping stuff a little bit more liquid. Um, but again, that's the preference. But then once you have, 
your foundation and what you're comfortable with, what allows you to sleep at night, that's when we then look to say, okay, let's start some investment strategies for the short, mid, long term. Let's look at tackling the debt. Let's look at building in, making sure all of our protection strategies are as strong as they can be. So what you're saying is don't uh, don't dump your dump your income into crypto. <laughs> <laughs> crypto, it came up. I knew it would. Um, I was with, I was looking for always. I was looking for any way I could just say the word crypto. I have crypto. no idea what it what it is really, but <laughs> had to throw it in there. <laughs> so it's fun, you know. Crypto right now is the big thing. Bitcoin, um, of course, and the NFTs are now becoming. Um, another popular investment strategy for people. The funny part with those and what we say in the planning as we're meeting with people and they're asking about it, we say, look at that as money that if you're willing to go to Vegas, just be prepared. You could lose it all. So whatever you're willing to lose, okay, if you want to play around with that, that's good. The problem is there's no, as of right now, it's not in any part of the regulated part of the industry. So, you know, with investments and, you know, money in the bank, that money's protected. You know, there's insurance on that up to certain amounts. The crypto world, there's no control over it yet. So Mm. that's what we advise. We're not going to tell people don't do it, but (laughs) just be prepared. Like we can't come back to us and say, Hey, you told us to go (laughs) in a crypto. And it's like, Nope, you know, we warned you. So there we go. We got our crypto in. (laughs) (laughs) You got your answer, Randy. So for the, that, New ATC, you know, we talked a lot about young professionals, you know, that new ATC finally got, you know, working an adult job. And we kind of already talked about a lot of different tools and advice, but what overall advice would you give that that young ATC how to start thinking about building a healthy financial future? I think having a system and a process in place from the start. And even though it's a new life stage, there's a lot going on, getting your first job, you know, um, figuring out how to pay bills. And <laughs> um, I had an athlete trainer the other day, reached out and was like, Matt, I've never had you taxes before. You know, it was first year. Out of, he's like, I, I don't even know where to start with my taxes. And I was like, isn't it amazing? Mm-hmm. It's like, we're not taught this stuff in school. And then all of a sudden, one day you wake up, you're like, oh, my taxes are due in about two months. Um, <laughs> oh, I need to figure I that out. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, you know, we, we set athlete trainers up with, um, it's called the living balance sheet. It's just a tool. There's a lot of different tools out there. Uh, the living balance sheet is what we use, but it allows you to, from day one, you can get all your finances in one place. There's a vault so you can upload and store all of your important documents and financial forms in one spot so that you stay organized and you know, you're not scrambling when you're making a financial decision, you can kind of see how it all correlates. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so often we get tunnel vision. And it's a single, all right, I have student loans. I can throw money at student loans, but you only have so much money coming into your financial wheelhouse. And so you need to be able to see, well, I have, it's actually 19 different domains. It's like, well, how's that going to affect this? Where is my other money going to go? And you can see it. You can sync it up to your, um, any online banking that you do with most financial institutions. And so every 24 hours, your balance sheet, is updating so you can see am i making progress on savings am i making progress on paying my debt am i balanced and you actually have a scorecard and it'll show you hey this you're red on protection right now you need to you know this is the first red flag or hey you're doing okay 
um, on your savings, you know, and so then you can start to prioritize and know, all right, what do I need to do next? Objective data. Yes. <laughs> we love that. I, yes. saying, I think most ATs can get behind that. Yes. A lot of, uh, so what we do is we listen to your goals and concerns. We take in the subjective, we allow you to navigate the objective, and then we just guide you along the way. For the assessment and the plan. <laughs> <laughs> and if it's color coded, I'm sure that helps as well. Yes, for the visual learners out there. (laughs) So we spent a lot of time talking about the young professionals, but what about on the flip side? What about for that seasoned professional who maybe waited a little too long to start maybe thinking about financial future and retirement? What what advice would you start giving them? Again, it's about just getting started. You know, if you put it off, we know the best day to plant a tree was 10 years ago. You know, if you want shade today, you needed to plant that tree 10 years ago, but it's still not too late to plant that tree today and see what it can grow Mm -hmm. into. Um, We, again, will break down as you start to transition. It's the young professionals kind of by themselves. They don't have a family. And then you transition into the years of having a family and, um, more complex, you know, you're now responsible. You, have, you may have dependents that you're relying on, you know, to pay all their expenses. And then all of a sudden it's whoo, retirement's on the horizon. Like it's here, you know, what do I do? Um, and it's to have, have the conversations. And again, just know your numbers going into it and know your, all right, this is my lifestyle. This is the type of lifestyle that I want. And the tricky part is the accumulation phase is different than the distribution phase. So the accumulation phase is working up to retirement, but you also have to figure out early enough, what's going to be my distribution strategies. Um, I, I know like for my parents and that generation, it used to be, Hey, throw all your money in investments. Once you hit retirement, you're just going to peel off the interest, you know, three, 4% a year. But now that philosophy with inflation rates and tax rates and all that changing, it's not a certainty. So it's like, what other buckets of money can we start to build? Can we build tax-free buckets? You know, do we have enough time to start to position the dollars so that in retirement, you can pull from different um, areas, not deplete those assets too quickly. And um, I actually just posted today, even athletic trainers who have pensions. So I know here in Pennsylvania, some athletic trainers are hired by the school system. New Jersey is a big state, Texas, um, hired within, but life expectancy is now, you know, projected to be longer. And so for Pennsylvania, they just announced they're going to be having to change the pension payouts. They're going to have to reduce it, especially if you have, um, a spouse or another, um, annuitant on that policy on how you select your pension plan. And now you have to be prepared to make those decisions. It's like, ooh, okay, they're going to be paying out a little bit less to make sure that dollar now lasts another five years, 10 years, whatever we need it to. So it's the game's always changing in finance. Um, and you just have to stay up to speed on it. It's there's, I can't really think of anything that's to set it and forget it that you can say, hey, from day one, this is, I can just, <laughs> just do that and I'm going to be fine. It's constantly changing. You know, I'm glad you brought up the distribution part because we always think about putting that money away for retirement, but at a certain point you have to pull it out and use that money. Are there any tools out there that you can use to help estimate how much you should probably pull out when you retire? So, yeah, we 
we can do a lot behind the scenes. Um, we do calculations and we'll show the clients that we meet with like, Hey, this is what it looks like. And even if you build up to a certain amount by say 20 years or 30 years, you know, you invest X, Y, Z and you get an estimated rate of return on that money over that time. This is what we can kind of expect it to grow to. And then on the flip side, peeling off X percent that is going to last us so many years and we can run those calculations. The big things that will impact it though are, um, you know, tax rates are a big one. You know, our, our current tax laws will be up in 2026. So we could see, um, you know, just with the state that the country's in and every, you know, the forgiveness programs, stuff that have been out there, we're anticipating that taxes will probably go up. How much? We don't know. Um, and when you look at, pretty neat. We do a, a presentation, but you look at the historical tax rates at points in history, the top tax bracket was 90%. Um, and this was like back during the depression and world war, um, two and all that. So the highest income earners were paying 90% in taxes. Um, so the tax rates can really fluctuate right now. We're at a great, a great point, uh, based on the tax law that was passed in 2017, I believe it was, but you need to start looking at how do you position your money? Can we create money that we know, okay, it's tax deferred. That's like your 401ks, traditional IRAs. But then can we create tax-free buckets like a Roth IRA? Um, there's actually like cash value life insurance and there's different products that you can position money so that when it comes time to take those distributions, you don't have to pull all from a taxable bucket. You can pull um, some from one bucket and to create your annual salary and you can pull from multiples to help lower, you know, the money that you have to pay, um, to uncle Sam. Ooh, interesting. That's cool. I think going back to what you were saying about everything changing and it's not a lot of just set it and forget it. That's why I think it's so important to work with someone because that's like athletic training is my wheelhouse. Finances are not really not something that I really have developed a lot of time and sat down and really took the time to understand. Um, and so I think it's really important to have, to hear from you with you and your athletic training background and how that has really, um, helped you with where you are now. And you can connect with other athletic trainers who are in the same boat as probably like me. Yeah. And you know, as, as you're, um, saying that it also just triggered a thought that, you know, with any, anyone that when you meet with a financial professional, I related to going and seeing a doctor, every doctor that you meet with is going to take your health history. They're going to take your vitals. They're going to do a baseline assessment before they give you any recommendations on a treatment plan. So if you ever meet with a financial professional, just make sure that they understand your full landscape. Um, everything that's going on in your financial world so that the best recommendation can be made. Um, you know, we don't personally, like we don't look at any specific products we're brokered with over 35 different companies. So to us, it doesn't really matter, you know, if there's an investment strategy, insurance strategy, like whatever we, we can place the business where we need to, that's best for you. But, you know, we always have three Usually it's like three to four meetings by the time we get everything compiled, make sure we have a full, clear understanding before we're coming at with like, all right, this is what we think is the best 
next step for you? Yeah, I've, I've noticed that for us, like since we started, you know, working with someone with our finances, it's just been one easier to understand the whole just saving system and everything like that. But also we've seen a big difference on, on just how our money's being saved and stuff like that. So it definitely is very beneficial. And even between Randy and I, like Randy's always worked a single W2 job and I've always had like a business on the side or like multiple jobs or contracts <laughs> or so like between the two of us, even it's a lot different. So it's, it's, it's pretty, um, like you're saying, like taking that history and looking at that full picture, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty cool. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and I commend you guys to blend those two different aspects, right. And be able to come together and everyone has different uh, financial histories and backgrounds, you know, and the way you even view view money as a couple, you could be different, you know, ends of the spectrum sometimes. And it's, uh, all right, what, (laughs) what is the middle ground here? Can we, uh, you know, how can we move forward? Actually, I do have a question for you. How do you, I don't know if this is too broad, but how do you notice a lot of differences between finances with couples versus finances as a single person? Oh, that's a good question. So it's, again, (laughs) she has a knack for doing that. (laughs) (laughs) Situations specific. Um, Everyone's a little bit different. We find some couples, there's, one person within the relationship that handles the money, they know them, you know, and the spouse or the significant other is like, Hey, I trust him or her completely. And I don't need to be here. If you just need me to sign something, just let me know where to sign. Um, there's other couples that <laughs> are both very involved in it. And, uh, you know, we always just make sure that whatever we're discussing, presenting about, we always include if both people are in that conversation that they both, are aware from the start. And we always ask, and if someone's like, Nope, I, I, this is just for me, my spouse is going to be completely left out of this conversation. Then we respect that. And we just deal with the one individual. No, interesting. You got any more? You want to? No, I think it's, I think it's time for, for your moment. For it's our action. action item? It's action time. <laughs> okay. So I feel like, I feel like we we kind of answered this throughout the episode, but if we could just sum it up, maybe put a bow on it, where do you recommend athletic trainers to start when they're planning for that financial future? Get organized, put it on paper, and have everything in one folder, one spot, so you know, A, where to find it, and B, what the next step is to take. (laughs) You know... I have much respect for that because before definitely unorganized with where my finances were. And then when tax time comes and you're trying to scramble to pick everything up and organize it it is difficult. So I, yep, I feel that. (laughs) Seriously, just got to put it all in one place. Yeah, that makes it so much easier. (laughs) Then you can see what you're working with too. Yeah, that's true. That is nice. Like that big picture. Yes. Yeah, develop your long term rehab goal. Yes. It's the EMR. I, I relate to the EMR. It's, you know, have it all right there. You can share it with whoever you need to, whenever you need to. Ooh, I like that. I love all these athletic training analogies. I think it makes it easier for everybody. Oh, totally. So I love how Matt made everything relatable to how we think as athletic trainers with just comparing 
you know, talking to someone as, you know, visiting a physician or visiting another healthcare professional or using like EMRs, like rehab goals, like using, again, the theme of our podcast basically is the multidisciplinary approach. And, you know, he related it to that as well. Well, I mean, it really shows because we as athletic trainers, this is our wheelhouse and this is what we understand and know. And so working with a financial representative, you are going into an area that maybe we're not as well versed in, but you are going even like we can explain going to the doctor's office, even if you don't have anything wrong, you can still go for a for a physical. Absolutely. You can still go for a checkup. Oh, definitely. And this is all information that I wish I knew when we were first getting started. Oh, absolutely. And also, you know, kind of like how we advocate for our patients, it's nice to have a financial person to advocate for your finances. So speaking of actually talking to someone, we do have Matt's personal contact info in the, sh- in the show notes below if you want to get started with someone to work on your finances or even to just start that conversation Another thing you can find in the show notes is a link to our Facebook group so you can connect with other professionals. You can answer questions of the week, kind of just interact with others of the AT Corner community. Also, if you guys are new, we do every other episode as education or stories. This one was an education episode. So next week, we're going back to our stories. And if you want to submit a story of your experience as an athletic trainer, we do different topics and you can find the different topics on our Instagram stories. You got anything else, Randy? Nope, that was perfect. Thank you for helping us showcase athletic training behind the tape. Bye.